there's demons, ghosts outside Screaming you can run but you can't hide You can't scare me, I'm already dead inside Hey horror fans, welcome back to another episode of the Tex Chris Dave Saw Massacre. Today we are doing The Devil's Backbone. Yeah, we are going to uh, watch the movie Devil's Backbone mm-hmm. by Guillermo del Toro. And then we're going to talk about it live immediately after watching it. That's what we do. That's what you got to look forward to, Scaredy Cats. Welcome. This is our first Guillermo del Toro movie? Well, well, shit on a slide, Chris. I think it is. <laughs> Oh, what a wonderful, <laughs> a wonderful visual at 9 a.m. Good morning, Scaredy Cats. Shit on a slide. We are watching our first Del Toro movie. Yeah, it's I mean, exciting. we've talked a lot about him. Of like, course, especially with Lady in the Water last year, just being on so many acclaimed lists and winning the uh, Oscar for Best sh- Picture. And shape, best shape of Water. What did I say? Lady, Lady in, in the Water. water. Oh, God damn. <laughs> Shyamalan Which movie? is Shyamalan. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that is funny. That is funny. But that also shows how little I care about Shape of Water. <laughs> Like, did yeah. you ever watch it? No. Okay. Well, because it's it's a sexy a sexy fish horror. Right? Uh, Free Willy with fucking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I do want to see it. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's good. It's but like, my it, excitement it looks level. Beautiful. Yeah, my excitement level to see Guillermo del Toro's like he has this inner vision that he wanted to get out sort of for himself. It almost feels like yeah. as like an honorary Oscar for you know how good all his work has been. I'm not totally. quite as excited to go see that. Like, if there was something like super new or different or exciting about it, sure. But yeah, I mean, no, it just feels like a classic kind of fairy tale. Good, very movie. straightforward. Looks yeah. great. Some of the performances are great, but it just doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't really excite me. Yeah, at this point in time, the os- it, it just sounds like an mm-hmm. Oscar Beatty. Right. Know, just the part of Del Toro that I love is the weird side, and it seems like that's going to be it's minimized. Limited. Yeah, yeah, it's limited. And but when it does come, it's great. Like I love seeing that sure. fish thing. Yeah, <laughs> I love yeah, seeing man. its glowy skin and yeah, yeah. Uh, hop on YouTube and watch that like yeah. all day. Exactly. Just watch like a nice little all the clips featuring the fish. Yeah, <laughs> search. <laughs> that's what we should have done instead of Frankenfish. But I mean, yeah, probably. Yeah, you make your decisions, right? Yeah, but you know, I I think if I had to rewatch one, I'd probably put back on Shape of Water because it just makes more sense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Chris. If Chris had to choose between Frank Oscar Chris, winner, Shape of Water, I'm going to go water. with Shape of Water. All right. I'm saying it. Bold statement. I, I can't say with confidence because I haven't seen Shape of Water, mm-hmm. but it had I, maybe I could make the, the choice. Yeah. I'm just going to be fair on this one and I won't. All right. <laughs> we talked a little bit about um crimson peak one time mm-hmm. we did it for scare and tell uh we've kind of teased pan's labyrinth a little bit yeah you've I, mentioned I, it i talk about pan's labyrinth a lot because i keep, love it yeah you keep pushing me to see it mm-hmm. i keep refusing yeah <laughs> <laughs> not interested in the fan fucking fantastic movie it even played um lightbox uh, a few weeks ago that would have been a good way to see it great Chris. opportunity yeah. on the big screen yeah it's not that I don't want to. It just hasn't happened. Yeah. It's fair. There's For whatever reason, that always happens is every yeah. person has their own few movies that they just won't watch. For yeah. it, it could be the universe just conspiring against you and it never works out. Or you're just like, I don't want to. Sometimes <laughs> it's just like a weird mental block. Like yeah. you won't watch Mother. And I know you'll enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a movie I'd like. And Killing of a Sacred Deer. I'll, I will watch Killing of a Sacred yeah. Deer. And that's on Netflix now. Hmm. But yeah. instead you're like, hmm, critically acclaimed, top of Chris's list movie. <laughs> Or would you rather? <laughs> but what would I rather? Man, what's going to happen with that eye and the razor blade? Yeah, <laughs> eye and razor blade or weird looking <laughs> dude hanging upside down with Colin Farrell's face on his torso. <laughs> yeah. Well, I made my choice. Yeah. I'll make it again. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? Uh, Devil's Backbone. So this is 2001. This was made after Kronos, which is one of his first ones. Mm-hmm. And I think there was one other feature he did. Yeah. Uh, Mimic. Mimic, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is this is his third one, and made six point five million. It's critically very it was, well reviewed. It was four point five million budget, right? Mm-hmm. So made a little bit of money. Made a little bit of money. Um, I saw Mimic like a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember just being such a weird, strange film. That's very, yeah, very insecty. Did you ever watch that? I haven't. It's like, is that that's with Norman Reedus though, right? Is he in that one? I just remember Mira Sorvino, and they're in the tunnels, and there's just a lot of bugs. And maybe a giant bug? I think it's a lot of bugs and a giant bug. Mm-hmm. I think it's e- either that or Norman Reedus is in Kronos. Okay. 
and he's the main character and that was like his first that's amazing isn't that cool i didn't know that there was yeah. a rita's del toro connection but that's cool is that an english movie chronos i don't know i think so or i got that impression but it would, why if would norman it reedus is in it yeah. I, I imagine it is well one of the two is the one with norman reedus mm. and i imagine that that's english right but i had the feeling it was mimic but who knows yeah internet easily could find it out easily easily not gonna um, so this one, I mean, I, I haven't really heard too, too much about it. I know it is no. very well claimed. I saw some images from it when I went to the Del Toro exhibit at the ROM last year. Mm-hmm. So I saw like some cool images of a ghosty type thing that was right. three dimensionally present. It was really cool. Like a weird, Sweet. not hologram, but they did like a weird visual effect thing where you look through a window and uh, you kind of see the thing there. Okay. So this is probably going to stack up to be kind of a somewhat typical del toro drama Mm -hmm. with some other genre added to it and this one's ghosty yeah i think so yeah i think so and i imagine that it's not gonna have the intense visual flair of his later ones like of of crimson peak of shape of water of um pan's labyrinth Mm -hmm. i think like he doesn't have that kind of crazy budget to do cool effects of it yeah doesn't have a huge team i think this is just gonna be like a classic just ghosty story yeah, and they get creepy, ghosty movie with r- real strong performances. and mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, the log line is, after Carlos, a 12-year-old whose father has died in the Spanish Civil War, arrives at an ominous boy's orphanage, he discovers a school that's haunted and has many dark secrets that he must uncover. Hmm. Okay. Oh. Sounds like a somewhat similar, at least like kickoff point to Pan's Labyrinth, too. Oh, and so and The Orphanage. And The Orphanage, yeah. Which is a movie he produced. Yeah. Yeah. The, which, uh, the Spanish, like the Civil War kind of orphan thing, is a, I guess, just a jumping off point. He seems to like right. writing from. Yeah, I'm curious to see how much that um, the war itself will play into the story. I imagine very little. The, yeah, and that's what it was like in Pan's Labyrinth, too. Mm-hmm. It was like. That's also the Spanish Civil War? Yeah, uh, Civil War. Y- yes, I think huh. so. Yeah. And um, it it's what's happening to all the adults and stuff, but to the main kid that you follow in the fairy tale, it's like just a, a side note. Right, right. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that lines up with kind of what I know about Guillermo de Toro and his childhood and using kind of genre as just this escape and just yeah. this fantasy realm to go into. So yeah, it makes yeah. sense that that's kind of a consistent theme for a lot of his characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You write what you know, they say. <laughs> uh, this Dave and Christery. This Dave yeah. and Christery. I know. I was, How far think, I was thinking about um, Guillermo del Toro's father mm-hmm. getting a. Uh, um abducted did that happen yeah i was um so let's just tell a little story um Please. the guillermo del toro has a little um place in toronto so the store that i work at he and his i guess now ex-wife um have dogs and they shop there um so that's it's, so yeah, awesome it's pretty cool <laughs> um i'm not one of the downtown like coffee shop guy, guys like a lot of my friends so i don't get to see celebs very often in toronto yeah in so the beaches when they go way out to the east end yeah it's kind of cool yeah um especially when they have property and you get to like speak to them here and there it's cool yeah. um so, so yeah I, I went on wikipedia because my coworker didn't believe that that was guillermo de toro's now ex-wife so when i was looking it up um i learned that he um his father was kidnapped um, and I think it was like a long, long series of months and, um, they like, he had to get like millions of dollars oh and my like, God. yeah, his like celebrity friends helped him. Is this relatively recently? Um, I think it was like eight or nine years ago or something, but like wow. it, it, that's why he, he has places in, um, in LA and Toronto and he doesn't, he just visits home all the time. He doesn't live there anymore yeah. because the, the threat of that is such a real thing. Ugh. So it's like like something that he's actually been through is like a family member held for like ransom, and essentially because of his, his celebrity status, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they kidnapped his father. Uh-huh. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah that's dude, so intense. And I, man, I should have been a little more prepared for this, but um, I forget who it was or some like huge celebrity who like helped him out. Wow, I'll look at and it. just like, by paying James Cameron, really? I think it was James Cameron. Wow, yeah, and just they paid them off and got the yeah. father back. Yeah and then probably relocated his father mm, to yeah. los angeles it, well exactly <laughs> yeah Up, uprooted from mm-hmm. um they're no longer in their home country for that exact reason because right. it's too dangerous for them because he became famous wow that is insane isn't that crazy that's so crazy and i don't think he's um 
like applied that those themes to any stories but like yeah straight up like hostage stuff i'm sure it's yeah. like a it's little too probably a nightmare traumatic yeah yeah wow mm-hmm. okay <laughs> sorry to <laughs> just try shoehorn. this again yeah sorry to shoehorn that in no that's a fascinating story yeah. and it like it, it definitely expands my perception of del toro just as a person broadly like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what a crazy thing to have happened to you absolutely and there's something about when he got his um oscar mm-hmm. when he finally got it um uh the i think the music came on when he was like giving his speech and he like he just tells him off he's like hey hold on a minute i waited 20 years for this <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah and he just gives him like he's just kind of got this like thing i didn't recognize at the time but this little chip on his shoulder he's like hey fuck off you know this is my moment i'm like hey where do you get off oh i'm like well you've gone through some stuff he made seemed, some amazing films. yeah yeah no he seems like such a cool dude he does he really does and i mean also his ex-wife she's a really nice lady man is is she someone who you would expect someone like del toro to be married to and i don't know oh, man, exactly I don't... what i mean by that but like del yeah. toro is such an eccentric guy does she kind of give off a similar vibe she has this very calm sort of it's sort of the complimentary mm. opposite but i mean who knows about the intricacies of their relationship but no i would say no mm. i didn't know the first like several times she came in until somebody pointed out but She's... like hey do you know anything about movies i'm like no like, do you know Guillermo del Toro? I'm like, fucking of course. <laughs> Get out of my store. What did you just ask me? Dave, you have to stop yelling at customers for threatening your or implying that you don't have great movie knowledge. You keep saying that, but you never fire me. <laughs> this Dave and Chris. We watched Pet Cemetery. No, we didn't. Oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> like, we fucking did? Oh, yeah. What what was your disbelief? What was the cause of your disbelief there? Uh, I just forgot. <laughs> you forgot that one year. Do you usually remember exactly what? No, I forgot that we watched Pet Cemetery. Oh, ever, ever. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Wow. No, <laughs> even I... though we talked to like not even very long ago, we talked about the remake that was happening. Yeah, filming yeah. in Montreal right now. Yeah. So I mean, it, I knew, but. Mm-hmm. Pet Cemetery, and then it's like, no, we didn't. I've never seen Pet Cemetery. No. Oh, the one we saw. Yeah. No, I mean, we're approaching 100, and some of them really don't stick in my mind as much as others, for mm-hmm. sure. So clearly, Pet Cemetery is one of those for you. For me, whenever I hear it, I just remember us rocking out, and I think it's on the episode right when we come back from the chainsaw of just the Ramones Pet Cemetery. Oh, yeah. We're just singing it. So yeah. whenever I think I of that title, baby. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I think of us singing that, and that's that's how I know okay. for sure that we did, in fact, record a Pet Cemetery episode. And I remembered um, the, all the South Park jokes. Uh-huh. Yeah, Judd. Yeah, I remember all that. Yeah. But um, Okay, so the thing I remember is a kid getting hit by a truck. Yes. On the wor- the road that is driven by one truck. Do, yeah, don't you remember? We just, <laughs> uh, yeah. They, they bought one semi. <laughs> one truck. Maybe. Just driving back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Delivering we, pizzas for all who knows. We noticed that it was just the exact, like a bunch of trucks went by on that road, but it was always the exact same one. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And we found that hilarious. Um, Gage. So oh, such yeah, a memorable yeah. little kid nightmare. A little bastard. He's got a switchblade. Remember, yeah, okay, he's yeah. killing his mom. It's coming back now. It's all coming back. Yeah. Takes him to the cemetery. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah, Judd, just such a classic, wonderful character. And John Lithgow is playing him in the remake. Yeah, that's awesome. That's perfect. That is absolutely perfect. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I, I remember the kid getting hit by the truck. This and that. Yeah. Not too much. That does not stand out. And maybe I've already said this before. I apologize. But we're just proud Canadians that... Right now, simultaneously, while we're recording mm. this podcast, Pet Cemetery is filming in Montreal. It and Chapter it, Two yeah. is filming here in Toronto. Yeah, the fucking awesome. Very. It's, it's cool to be yeah. a Canadian. Yeah, it's our little geographical contribution mm-hmm. to the genre and to Stephen King films in particular. And those are such good ones too. Yeah, I remember being underwhelmed by um, Zelda because we didn't see it as kids, so it didn't. Yeah. it didn't have the same effect in 2017 as it might have in the late 80s. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder in the remake how good that's going to be. Yeah, because so many scaredy cats just reached out to us and told us about how terrifying Zelda was for yeah. them. And I could barely remember it. Yeah. I remember calling out that it was a dude playing Zelda. Yeah, you did, dude. <laughs> you nailed it. Um, what What else? Yeah, that didn't... I guess it was a kind of had to be there um, thing for Zelda to really scare you and that to be the big payoff. Yeah. To me, the more exciting thing was just Gage. Mm-hmm. Just zombie Gage. <clears throat> what was the cat stabby? Oh, not sure. But yeah, they had that weird glowy effect with the cat's eyes, yeah. remember? 
felt real bad about that cat. It was just mean. It was a mean demon cat. Yeah, it was like scratchy. Yeah. And... <laughs> but, but how did they deal with that? Did they kill it a second time? I don't know, man. I didn't even remember we watched it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This has been an extended This Dave and Chris Street <laughs> Pet Cemetery edition. Uh, let's move on to Scare and Tell. Scare and Tell. So this week for Scare and Tell, mm-hmm. I watched Attack the Block. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, man. Oh my God. First time? Yeah. And it, what'd you think? It was just the fucking greatest. That movie is so, so, so good. So good. That That's how you do low budget movie. That's how you do like action and creatures. Oh. That's how you show a lot of creatures. Oh. Uh, that that's such a great little cast of characters that you fall yeah. in love with. They're so funny. And the debut of what's his face as the lead, John Boyega. Yeah, 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 yeah. fucking awesome. Nick Frost is in it. He's mm-hmm. really funny. He's like the was he like a pot dealer or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, and I just I love those creatures. They like, are so good. Glowy teeth, right? Yeah. Blue glow. They got yeah. this blue glowing teeth, but when they like the way that the jowls on the side of their mouth that would be showing the side of your teeth close, mm-hmm. it remains a little bit open so it has the shape of eyes on the side of their mouth so it looks like these bluey green eyes are looking at you and then they bare all the teeth and make that weird digital growling sound but it looks so good so fucking tight how how good those those monsters were and they showed you so many of them like all different like climbing going in and out of shadows but like across doorways and then just running in broad daylight chasing people yeah was amazing they looked so good do they do like a weird rolly thing too am i just superimposed i haven't seen it since it came out um i think they kind of just run they do run like gorilla yeah dogs gotcha yeah mostly but they like jump in weird ways and yeah yeah Maybe they do roll out of frame and shit like that. But no, Edgar Wright produced this movie, and yeah. it just—it feels like such an Edgar Wright it does. type project. Yeah, it's like um, I find it to be like in all of those other comedy uh, horrors that Edgar Wright does. I find this one to be the scariest. I think totally. Yeah, yeah like the there was some good gore in it. Like one of the kids just gets like gets his head crushed and like dragged oh. backwards. Like wow, you see the bluey green teeth like close around his head. Oh my god, yeah, it's fucking. It's gross. clearly been too long for me. Oh man, it was awesome. Me and Jody watched it, and we were both just freaking pumped. The music was incredible. Yeah, it's a like it's a hypey kind yeah. of like you get your adrenaline is just rushing yeah. when you're watching that film for sure. Yeah, and then at the end they're like taking them away in the. Like a really great ending, um, taking them away. Like the police are taking all the boys who are the heroes away, mm-hmm. um, and, and everyone's just cha- like cheering for John Boyega, like Moses, Moses. And I'm like sitting on the couch, I kind of feeling like I wanted to cheer for him too. <laughs> You're right about it being more scary, and maybe some of that is. I feel like Shaun of the Dead takes place entirely during the day, and Attack the Block is entirely at night. Is that right? Yeah, um, yeah. Like it's but- very dark movie it's very dark um i wonder which makes the blue glowy teeth just just all the better such a fucking good effect and they're just huge monsters they Mm -hmm. come out of nowhere they like scale the building there's like hundreds of them at one point the little like the little kind of story is like as far as sci-fi goes it's so simple and you know Mm -hmm. just how Edgar Wright does those things um like uh world's end is kind of kind of the same like really really simple logic yeah but you know a fun enough concept and attack the block was like the first little white creature comes down lands in a car and scratches john boyega's face and because he's like a prideful lad he he and his boys all beat it up beat it to death Mm -hmm. but then you find out that that's a female and then the big huge black ones are the males and so now because john boyega fought with it he's got like the pheromones on him and that's why they're all going after him. Yeah, and so they wow. hide this the body of this thing because they want to sell it to National Geographic. <laughs> they hide it in this in Nick Frost's like bunker like um suite on the top floor uh, of the block. So like that's why they're all attacking this right, one place. Right. And yeah, and that's how they they're following just these boys and why nobody else knows it's happening and mm. stuff like that. Yeah, I just I remember it being so fun and thrilling and oh, God, just yeah. like a lot of Edgar Wright stuff. Just the characters are awesome and hilarious. The dialogue is punchy mm-hmm. and fun. Um, they use a shitload of fireworks, like like the pyrotechnics effects are coming from them shooting fireworks at these uh. things a lot. So you get the crazy like electric glowing teeth, this like 
um, almost impossible like digital black that the creatures are. They even comment on it. It's like, that's the blackest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and they're putting their hands into the fur and their hands are disappearing. Ah. Like there's this weird, like, I guess just to show that they're real aliens, you know? Yeah. And, and but that's such a great concept yeah. to have for the color of the aliens, like that, that darkest black. Like yeah. you see it sometimes like, oh, look, this, this box is painted with that darkest black and it just looks like pure darkness. No light exactly. is absorbed. It yeah. looks, it's just absorbing shit. Exactly. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is contrasted with the fact that they're blasting them with colorful, smoky fireworks mm-hmm. all the time. It's just beautiful awesome. color palette. Yeah. In all film. Yeah. They got John Boyega gets a katana <laughs> early on in the movie and just has that. The rest of it loses his sleeves. It just looks awesome. So much to love. It's so great. I can't believe how good Attack the Block is. Yeah. And not as talked about as it should no, be at all. No way. Yeah. That's that's one of the greats. I definitely I was preaching it very strongly a while ago, and I have not revisited it in clearly way too long. Oh, it's it, yeah. I'm probably gonna watch it again in like the next week or so. Awesome. It's just so fun, and it's so well cut, and the music is so good. Awesome. Great. I'm jazzed. Great, man. That's um a little better than the one that I saw recently. I saw this movie Unsane. Which is Steven Soderbergh, yeah. everything shot on an iPhone. Yeah. I was starring Claire Foy. I almost watched Unsane the other night instead of Attack the Block. No way. Yeah. I was, it was on a list of things that I was potentially downloading. Like, mm, nah. Yeah. And we still have not had it. I mean, we've only done the segment for um, maybe half of our entire run, mm. but we have not had an occasion where we both bust out the same scare and tell. Not yet. <laughs> It'll happen. Uh-huh. I can't wait for that day. We'll have a special little song to accompany it and celebrate it but unsane which incidentally is the english title of dario argento's movie tenenbrae which is something that i learned recently uh, okay yeah so yeah. you know just like how phenomena became critters in the u.s mm-hmm. tenenbrae became unsane and the only reason uh, okay. the only re- reason i bring that up is because it's just such a dumb title like yeah, unsane like is it. just such a horrible name that i can't believe that it was done twice let alone on an Argento film. Yeah. I, yeah. And so anyways, this movie, one of its yeah. like gimmicky things was it was all shot on an iPhone, which is already so frustrating because yeah, shot on an iPhone, but you're still having like the best possible lighting, sure. the best possible <laughs> yeah. sound quality. Like it's not literally hit record on an iPhone. It's you're using got the a, lens of an iPhone camera. Yeah. And you've got a boom mic and you've got yeah. a full room of lighting. Yeah. And- a thousand shots yeah yeah. so there are a few moments where it that is kind of interesting like the low there is kind of a lo-fi vibe that is admirable about it um but just the lack of full commitment to that is a little frustrating Mm. yeah so the plot overall is just claire foy is this woman who is just kind of going about her life and at one point she just goes and visits with a psychiatrist just to like do a little check-in say that i'm feeling a little bit of depression and the psychiatrist gets her to sign kind of some forms and what she didn't realize is that she signed a form committing herself to this mental institution to be checked in for like a week and oh man for insanity yeah for insanity and she just (laughs) ends up like being like of course right away she's like oh no i didn't mean to sign that like what i had no intention of and like ma'am calm down and she like acts out even more which makes her Mm -hmm. be confined for an even longer period of time oh my god and (laughs) then where the drama goes is that you learn about some of her backstory and how she had this intense stalker that was she forced her to relocate cities and everything and she starts to see that one of the staff is that stalker so Uh, okay so the way the movie is setting itself up is that you don't kind of know what's happening is she actually crazy is the stalker really here what's happening but what's so frustrating is that about 30 minutes into the movie, like very early on, they clear up the ambiguity and you know what's happening. And then the rest of the movie, like the whole, the last hour of the movie, it's just kind of just playing out the drama. And like, Dude, I hate that so much. Yeah, it's like this kind of a movie in this concept is one that should be ambiguous. You should not know until the end, like what's actually happening. Yeah. But, and it sets itself up that way, but they just tell you out of nowhere. You're like, oh, okay, that's what this is. And then you're just watching kind of where it goes from there so it's it feels like a lifetime movie it feels very melodramatic um if you if you do enjoy those melodramatic kind of um dramas then yeah there is some value to it but Uh it's a little a little too cheesy to be i feel taken very seriously as a serious thriller i hated i hated you talking about it (laughs) it just seemed bad yeah it seemed like the reason that i'm like no i don't want to watch that Mm mm-hmm Ugh. That's, also, I find it kind of funny that like they make her sign a waiver 
And then she's like, she signs it. She's like, wait a minute. That's not what I meant. It seems like, you know, someone's like, oh, hey, can I see your iPhone? Yeah. And you're like, hey, can I have it back? You're like, what? Have what, what back? Yeah. What are you talking about? It just seems like the silliest, like, you know, schoolyard bully trick. Totally. To like, hey, I didn't mean to sign that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Calm down. Yeah. We're going to have to lock you up. <laughs> and, and that should be part of the mystery. Like, did she actually know what she was signing? Did they trick her in? Is there some sinister force? But they just, they tell you right out the gate and then... It's not about that anymore, which is the one thing that it had going for it. It's like, take the big concept, spoil it, and then just make you watch the rest of the movie. Yeah, there's there's this movie that does that, like in Spirit. I can't remember the name. I think it's a Korean um, sci-fi horror. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, they are going to launch this time machine. They have a time machine and it like does a super fast loop around a crater facility. Mm -hmm. And that's how it goes. That's how it travels time. So they find this like security video of the exact time the experiment's supposed to happen and the whole facility is like explodes and is destroyed. So like they show you that the experiment is going to destroy the facility Mm -hmm. right at the beginning of the movie. And then they try to figure out what's going to happen. And the whole movie goes on and it just happens and it plays out. And it is so fucking frustrating to watch Mm. because exactly like what you're saying is like, the ambiguity is what's interesting about a lot of these plots and kind of what makes them horror and fun to watch. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Oh, okay. I'm getting agitated just thinking about it. Yeah, especially like if no other turn or twist comes. Like, yeah, they don't reveal something new. Yeah, 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 if nothing new comes. Like even with Unsane, I kept watching thinking, oh no, this can't, this, they're going to flip it again at some point, but it just doesn't really happen. And you're just watching this kind of, yeah, tense drama play out that mm-hmm. isn't really that, the tension isn't even that exciting or... Mm, that's disappointing yeah it was a bit i mean it didn't have expectations too too high soderbergh is kind of hit and miss when it comes to these weird like little side projects that he does does it like get any points for like the the iphone lo-fi feel like do they do anything cool or technical yeah well there there's a cool segment about her like really spiraling about being like am i insane am i crazy and getting taken given too many meds I mean, it is kind of a nightmare in a sense. Like if you wake up in a mental place, mm. a mental institution, and they just keep feeding you meds and you're like, I'm not supposed to be here. Like that is inherently a scary concept, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but they just, they do so little with it. But yeah, one okay. of one of those segments where she's forced to take a lot of medications and she's stripping out, they do a cool video overlay. So it's like two video images of her at once kind of wandering around rec room for a dream style. Okay, cool. It, it looks kind of neat with the lo-fi quality. Mm. So, I mean, a few little merits in there, but I wouldn't recommend it. I'd say two stars. Okay. Yeah, pass on unseen. Absolutely, but hey, attack the block made up for it. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> block is awesome. Unseen, not so much. And let's see what Devil's Backbone's gonna be like. Cool man. Thinks about that time that we rev up the old chainsaw and whatever whatever happens during that happens. Yeah, want to have a drink and watch a horror movie? I do. Cheers. Cheers. little gold bars which you know what i didn't think would weigh you down that much you know there's only five or six or seven of them that he had but at the end i thought like there is a very a differing amount depending on what part of the movie it was there's like two of them oh how many of them how many gold bars i couldn't land on it but i guess at the end they're enough to weigh a stabbed man down so he can't swim up yeah like is is gold that heavy like they didn't seem like that big yeah, well, I mean, like, I feel like when he was lining them up, I saw him line out five and then start a second row, and mm-hmm. he was like putting them into that like little wrapped up piece of cloth. Yeah. So like, let's assume he's got twelve. He's got a dozen. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. How much would a big a chunk of metal like that weigh? You got a dozen of them. They're probably a pound or two each. No, that shouldn't have held him down. No, it shouldn't have been like the your first instinct to how do I get to the surface? I need to mm. get rid of these gold bars. Well, unless he's like. We're supposed to take that he's like super weak from being stabbed by a bunch of sharp sticks. That could be right underneath that armpit too. Right under the armpit. He got one through the arm. He got a bunch in the side, the legs. This is something that seems so vulnerable about like getting gouged in your armpit with a giant wooden stick. That's the only time I've seen that. And that's just horrific. There's, um, I don't, I don't want to call it a thing in martial arts. It's like a self-defense thing. I guess you can do, um, where you can jab your thumb into an attacker's armpit, like as hard as you can. And it'll like, it'll just go in between like the tissue and the muscle and whatever. But there's a cluster of nerves there as it's going out to your hands and stuff. So there's a lot of nerves that go through and the, 
the pain response can overload your brain and make you black out. Holy. Yeah, if you thumb someone in the armpit. So getting stabbed there, like that dude was dead. He was going to die no matter what yeah. from my perspective. Although he was a resilient motherfucker, but... Yeah, and like I mean, and that stake created a giant mm. wound. The oh, blood God. was coming out very quickly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, at the... There's a lot of just wounds getting opened in this movie and a lot of just mm-hmm. blood gushing out of them. But yeah, it gets jabbed up into his arm and yeah. then he's trying to get it out and it breaks and then he pulls it out. This is one of those movies, I feel like there's just like a divide in, in some time, some year where people stop doing this. But like whenever someone gets stabbed with something, they just pull it out immediately mm. and make the wound way worse and start bleeding all over themselves and circle the drain and then die. You're totally right. And then at some point, something shifted yeah. in kind of just the consciousness, char- movie of, character awareness yeah. of what to do with the thing. And now you leave it in. Yeah, you leave it in and you try to deal with it. Yeah. yeah. In your next, uh, Joe Swanberg has the arrow in his back. Yeah. And it stays there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's not going to pull it out. I think he pulls it out right when he finally dies or something, when he's in the basement. Yeah. No, he pulls it out when he gets clipped on, when he clips it trying to walk underneath the thing oh that... yeah 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 Ugh. yeah <laughs> oh god it's painful but yeah so like in this movie there's like a dozen times where like he's pulling, pulling glass out of yeah. shit yeah they're just like get the object out of your body mm-hmm. yeah a lot of like wounds and body stuff happening in this movie like they were pulling shrapnel out of a kid's back at one point. kids were pulling shrapnel out of a kid's back man a lot of dead kids in this movie mm-hmm. kids got blown up burn that up, was off. like just yeah. after after the gas tanks exploded just that scene Holy of the shit. carnage and you yeah. see like four or five kids just dead on uh, the ground yeah and the sound for that because the doctor's like ears were ringing mm-hmm. so it had just that like ringing effect explosion ringing qu- silent oh my god he's just walking around when he stands up in the ear the blood comes out of his ear yeah yeah oh god that looked good that was great but and I just I loved so much the effect and we didn't even n- understand it at first because we didn't know that Santi was underwater that yeah. his body was there the whole yeah. time. The, but when yeah. the ghost is walking and the blood is just floating out yeah. of his head as if he's underwater while he's walking around above yeah ground. There, there's even a little bit of particulate effect around him that had mm. the effect of water yeah yeah little specks yeah he had just his own oh little bubble this little orbit of. Yeah, basically, this ghost exists underwater, which is su- such it's an amazing. awesome effect. And when Carlos reached out to touch the blood, it became like tangible blood yeah. in his fingers. It like, got on his fingers. That was so cool. It looked amazing. Yeah. yeah. I kind of couldn't figure it out at first. Like, it should no. have been obvious. So I was like, is this, why is his head smoking? <laughs> right. No. And then later, when we find out that he's underwater, then it all, it's per- it all yeah, it makes perfect sense. And they show how he died. Yeah. Like, oh, God, that was such a well told story. It really was. Like, oh. all, all the characters and elements are kind of were introduced. Like right mm-hmm. out the gate, yeah. But then we just this backstory kind of builds and builds and unfolds yeah. more and more. One in of such those, a masterful way, yeah. One of those classic, like they give you a couple little images at the beginning, so we get that reddish water with the yeah. fetuses and the spines and stuff in it in the opening sequence. We get the older kid finding yeah. Santi's body, but we didn't like. I didn't remember we, that it was him. Yeah, I didn't know it was yeah. him. I didn't like know. We just remember ex- it was a human that found sure him and bleeding. I, I didn't know exactly when that happened, like how long it had been. Totally, like, yeah. B- brilliant i just fucking loved how mm-hmm. they gave you that little taste of stuff that was eventually going to make perfect sense and fit just like it fit beautifully yeah yeah it was awesome beautifully this is just this is such a wonderful yeah. experience. i got so lost watching this movie yeah. in the story trim nothing out of it, it no it just beautiful it, it kind of felt long to me but not like a bad long you know right like, substanceful no no yeah exactly it felt like we were in this world yeah. for a good stretch of time and i mean this movie looks like it came out this year. Yeah, dude, the color, the yeah, just the cinematography, the way it's oh edited. Oh my god, just yeah, it's gorgeous. It does not look like it's from seventeen years ago. No. I mean, this uh, came out the same year as Session Nine. And compare and contrast, like just technically how yeah. the films look. Yeah, just un- like that. The effect, just the effect alone of Santi, the little ghost. Yeah, unbelievable. Like yeah. that effect stands out as not needing an update, mm-hmm. not like suffering from computer effects. No. It just looks great. They use it a reasonable amount, mm-hmm. you know, but like there's enough tension in the the main story with Jaquito. Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, I got it. Um, enough with him. And he's like, as a villain, he builds and builds and gets way worse. Oh, at first he's just an innocuous character, just like mm-hmm. the guy that works there. And then yeah. he's like, oh, he's sleeping with both of these women, like yeah. even behind the back of the partner of the older woman yeah and, and it just gets he gets gre- slimier and slimier as it goes on until he becomes this full-on force of evil yeah that they have to defeat and you like i my brain told me at first i'm like he's gonna be helpful force to have when these bad army guys come back right you know right. he's gonna be the one who's capable 
that's the, that's a great how they mislead you, I guess, yeah. is they say, no, there's another evil force that we need to be concerned with, yeah. not recognizing how that, bad the danger is at hand. That's the guy who set everything off. You know, and like, I I guess it was like used largely for metaphor to help establish, like, it, it helped in lots of ways, but that bomb that was like in the middle of the courtyard. Oh my God. And then the reveal of that just falling down and shifting in place. And <sighs> well, right now, even from the get go, like, one of the opening shots of the movie is the bombs falling out of the sky. Oh, which that was so good. That was like the opening shot is like the belly of the, the airplane opening yeah. up and dropping that bomb and it just falling away from the camera. Yeah. And you just see down in the distance on the ground little explosions lighting yeah. up unbelievably beautiful that like it compared to like other types of movies that we watch where we can kind of complain a little bit about the cinematography or you know how the shot was staged or Mm -hmm. i could cut a few minutes out of that when a movie starts with like just a brilliantly framed really colorful really just uh, moods establishing shot yeah like that that first impression is so helpful but then when the movie progresses and it's just so slick every shot looks beautiful camera movement is beautiful Mm -hmm. like you could watch it for two hours like that's why del toro makes these types of movies that do kind of go on they're really drama based but because he's such a storyteller yeah and it did feel so del toro like just down to the 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 gramophone and the way these rooms were decorated like it just felt totally like everything i understand from everything i've seen in shape of water and crimson peak and i was i was impressed with how amazing the cinematography was considering yeah. i was expecting this is a very early del toro That's what I, thought. Yeah. I didn't think it would be as polished but this is one polished fucking movie it's really 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 good and yeah that like it's just such an incredible poignant set piece to have in the middle yeah. of this orphanage this open square right in the dead center this mm-hmm. dud bomb just yeah. right there waiting they just, say it's still ticking they, yeah. the kids say they can still hear it yeah that it's alive and then they've got that like sort of like poetic voiceover that, of that poem that's been repeated throughout the whole thing mm-hmm. where it's like they f- um, freeze on the shot of the bomb like right near the end when he's going through it and he says like um, an emotion like frozen in time yeah and just so good just and so many little things like that that happen throughout the movie that are things that two things that you see or something you see and you hear and then you get to put together a little bit of story and a really small example of that is um early on when those bad army dudes that we don't like um are, are in the car or leaving mm-hmm. and they ask them for a uh, do you have a smoke? Yeah. And he's like, no. <laughs> and then they, they're like, all right. And they drive away. And then he starts lighting up a cigarette. After and, he leaves, yeah. And that's it. They don't say anything about it. No, it's if this was a heavy-handed, like highly produced movie, the producers would be like, oh no, have a character come up and be like, hey, you did have a smoke, didn't you? And he's yeah. like, yeah, I didn't want to get like it would. Yeah. Or he'll spoon- say, not for you, and then yeah. light it up. Yeah. yeah. But this was not spoon-fed at all. It was just a nice, subtle, yeah. hilarious gag. Yeah, and that you know, just have the director, the storyteller, respecting the audience enough. Yeah, to yeah. be like, they're smart. They'll get it. They'll I don't need that. to. It's I don't easy. need to tell them. Yeah. I mean, Jaquito looked to me like a younger Spanish Eli Roth. Like he's even like wearing the same outfit from Inglorious Bastards, essentially, like the suspenders and the white shirt. He gave me like a real ratty Brendan Fraser. Oh uh, yeah, I can see that too. <laughs> you know, that's what I was getting. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. You just hate him. You just, as time goes on, you just fucking hate him because he's he's a great he's a great baddie, great villain. Yeah, uh-huh. you realize he like created the ghost. He oh my god, he's responsible for everything. Absolutely, and th- like the one, so many cool little shifts that happen, just like shifts, mm-hmm. like the fact that the narrator of the whole thing ends up being the doctor. Yeah, that it's oh he's this ghost telling this story. Yeah. Which, because he has the full perspective of everything that went on. Yeah, from you know? start to finish. And yeah, yeah. Even, even the boys don't, technically. No, no. Yeah. So he, yeah, you're right. That is really cool. And it, it was, we only get that reveal, or it begins when the one kid jumps out the window and hurts his ankle. Mm-hmm. And then you expect him to get caught in that moment by the, the captors. But absolutely a bloody and adult I thought maybe Santi was the one, but it was he was way too tall. Yeah. He was looking way up at him, and yeah. is the ghost of the ghost of the doctor, doctor Casa, yeah. the doctor. Yeah, the, we'll <laughs> call him the doctor. The doctor came and unlocked them and out, let and the boys what, out. That's what allowed them to yeah. kill yeah. him. Yeah, and then they look around. The, uh, they walk out the door right away, and there's nobody there. Mm-hmm. And it's like earlier in the movie where they see the shadow behind the sheet. He moves it, and there's nothing there. That's a great moment. And oh, the kid God. freaks out, lifts the blanket. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he's under this. Yeah. Knocks down the water, starts yep. that whole very long sequence where he sees Santi for the first time and he Ugh. listens to the bomb. And they... So in, in the Guillermo del Toro exhibit, it was like a window on a wall and you look in and your eyes are kind of trying to focus and you're looking down one of the hallways of hmm. 
this building yeah and if you just kind of shift your head in the right place that you can see kind of the ghost of santi uh, appearing right in the center just kind of staring and th- there's something so ominous about that like it's the makeup and just the pose that the kid has but whenever you just see santi just kind of at a distance mm-hmm. we don't know what to make of him the whole movie we don't understand what he wants yeah. what he's trying to accomplish and just that shot of him on the water at the very end so cool dude. standing on water yeah that was just creepy as hell but like i can't believe this is 4.5 million like the amount of crazy cool shots and effects yeah it's so well done yeah totally um here, here's something i wanted to talk about hash out mm-hmm. um the title of the movie is devil's yes, backbone yeah <laughs> and we get this we little get to this we get this weird little um reveal about how he's got these um fetuses mm-hmm. that i guess are born with the spine exposed which is i guess um the people refer to it as having the devil's backbone. It means you're not supposed to be born. He refers to himself as a man of science, which is is great because in the end he's a ghost and he's been telling us a ghost story the whole time, mm-hmm. which is cool. Um, he refers to himself as a man of science and tells us that it's just some babies are sick or whatever. Yeah, but he's it's also deformities. Deformities, but he's this. I think there's two things happening. He's always yeah. he keeps talking about. Oh, Spanish people, we have all these superstitions that we even believe in. Yeah, I'm a man of science. And the fact that he takes the shot after himself shows that even though he professes to be a man of science, he still very much subscribes to all these beliefs and myths that kind of stick around. And that's what informs like the potency of these myths, the potency of ghost stories, the Mm -hmm. reality of them. So there's that whole aspect of what kind of these myths and stories do for, you know, this country, this group of people, their history. But then there's also just the allegory of what a devil's backbone is. And he says at one point, like it's not, yeah, it's people say it's, you know, it's a curse or whatever, but it's just poverty and disease and war. That's That's, exactly. That's the only thing that results in them being misformed and not being able to be born. If they didn't, like if they had conditions where they didn't have these diseases and they had, you know, alleviated conditions out of poverty, then they wouldn't have, this as much deformities or declining birth rates it, exactly yeah they'd see less of it or would be able to categorize it medically more easy if that sort of infrastructure yeah, yeah if there's a little more wealth that that's very poignant very quickly said so mm-hmm. like love that but i mean so i guess he's like a snake oil peddler like in a way he in a in a way but he he does kind of believe it too i think he, to, he, like, he himself is taking a shot of it. He of takes the, the rum fermenting in a pickled yeah, baby. Just say that. There's the fetuses <laughs> with this weird deformity being pickled in rum and spices. Yeah. And he reaches the ladle in, in an amazing shot where it goes down and the camera follows it down so that you can see genius, the fetus. Genius direction. And because, then follows it back up. Because you're like, no, no, no. He's not. That's not for drinking, is it? No. What is, mm-hmm. what's happened? Like, it's it's so well done, that scene. Yeah. And yeah. he tells him, um, he's like, I saw a ghost. And he's like, come here. Come see my fetus <laughs> Rum. and he's like take a shot of it he's like i didn't see it goes like, i didn't see it go it freaks it freaks <laughs> yeah. him right out and actually nothing else in the movie freaks carlos out as much as that does that's yeah, what makes him bolt out yeah uh, he the one <laughs> san the closet santi um encounter freaks him out pretty bad too it does he no shuts, more when the, the closet more when the lady opens up the with the towels that's that a freaks him out the most <laughs> the next morning he yeah. spent the night in that closet <laughs> yeah yeah that was that was a terrifying sequence too it's great with eventually the eye just looks through yeah but there's something about that ghost face ghost ghosty face it looks like it's cracked china like his wound yeah. on the head um doing reading a little bit of imdb trivia uh-huh let's um, hear it the, the santi is inspired by japanese um ring grudge mm. style little kids that's why he's got the super white porcelain face nice with the yeah and that must be original grudge and ring because it's yeah, 2001 yeah, yeah. yeah japanese yeah, yeah. juon and ringu yeah you got it Nice. Yeah, so that's that's where the visual thing comes from. But then he like he's taking it a step further with this like aura effect that he's got, the eye effect that he's got. That's so cool. It almost like removes the irises totally, like a little bit. Totally, it's you got know? like a weird green glow to it. Yeah, uh, super creepy. Um, the gash on his head. Yeah, I mean like Del Toro is like just a crack. an insane pastiche of all these different kind of influences and the way mm-hmm. that he can combine them into one setting that still looks completely coherent. Yeah. Like you have kind of the industrial era, like the leg is such a That's so cool, cool. iconic, weird thing that she's bringing along. That leg the fact is awesome. that it has a secret compartment is such a like full of gold. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a moment you, she says the line, uh, like when they're ready to leave, like take this long journey and get the boys out of here. Yeah. 
um you know she's like you okay is like my legs heavy tonight she says it like with a grimace it's beautiful you know? yeah it, and you just assume you don't like, you don't understand it yeah yeah she's suffering in some way her she said her bad leg is heavy tonight it's like oh man it, it hurts more than usual she's suffering mm-hmm. like the, and you do kind of like linger on it you're reflecting on like yeah. oh that's an interesting thing to say like yeah. i guess and you start to think about maybe the history of her leg yeah, and dealing yeah, with yeah. this and your brain goes to a bunch of different places exactly. it's just that's it's such great writing yeah like, a very dense like leading yeah. kind of line it makes you totally makes you think of a lot of stuff and then yeah we find out that that line meant that she was hiding the gold in her leg mm-hmm. like, so good oh dude it's just i mean it's such a amazing screenplay just the way mm-hmm. that the story unfolds but then to match that with this masterful cinematography this is just an incredible film just yeah easily the my favorite del toro that i've seen out of the three that i've seen <laughs> yeah i i'm stunned by how good it yeah. good it is yeah um, that was shocking i was not expecting us to just get so sucked in yeah like absorbed by this film i i was you know kind of a little bit you know mm-hmm. ready for that easy afternoon movie that we always do this, yeah this is sort of the longer morning movie where, exactly yeah it's a little we're more tired and we have to pay attention and read and stuff we but, usually do for context we yeah. usually do a couple episodes at a time and we try to fit we try to pick like a darker more dramatic one at first and then do like a punchier lighter horror movie yeah in the afternoon doing it in the reverse having a couple of drinks is very it's difficult drag. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. hard <laughs> but Absolutely. i mean it turned out that you know there was there's was no work involved it mm-hmm. was just such a joy yeah and like captivating it definitely just feels more like a great drama but also almost like a and while there was an insane action it was like a suspenseful exciting third act like to see what's going to happen is the guy going to come back are the kids going to be able to kill him like it just felt like a great actiony movie at the end and just beautiful just elements of horror just sprinkled in very lightly like it's not it's not too scary i'd say yeah there's like a big jump moment when the kid looks through when Santi's looking through the keyhole. Yeah, and like, and for just they do the, the kid ghost is standing at the end of the hallway or standing mm-hmm. at the other side of the room. Um, like when there's one part where he goes downstairs. Um, I think the first time when Santi is like behind yeah. the the post and he goes to look around and then Santi's behind him and yeah. like turns him around. Yes, that I found that really freaky. I think there's just an element to like that was when he. Uh, touch the blood out of the sky yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah after that and god i thought that was really creepy uh, santi being anywhere just standing there looking at him mm-hmm. i think was really creepy and then when he just starts walking towards him and you don't know why and he keeps just saying many of you are going to die or whatever he's saying yeah like that's another element that it's incredible once but, that unfolds and you yeah. see why it was a like kind of a warning yeah yeah it wasn't it's like it's it's going to happen it's not yeah he did it to me he's gonna do it to you yeah it's not i'm it's not i'm a ghost that's going to kill you yeah this is something that's going to happen yeah and that is an incredibly organic even like you said 17 years later that happens so organically as you watch there's no little there's no perfect clue there's no like you can't be so savvy on horror movies that you see that coming a mile away not at all and what's wonderful about it too is that's what ultimately gives carlos the confidence to approach santi they'd be like yeah. oh i'm not scared of this guy anymore yeah, like I get Sa- santi is not the one who's going to cause all of us to die yeah he's story. just aware of it he was trying to kind of warn us or give us a little bit of notice about this because it's right after everyone's injured that right when he sees santi he says i'm not gonna run away what it's, do you want like what how can we help you yeah it's after everyone gets injured i think after he hears the story from the other kid about what happened to Santi, then he's like, I need to talk to you. I know what's up. Yes, now. yes, yes, yes. Because he's finally got the whole All story. The like, are in place yeah, for him. You, why would you be coming after me? Like, you can see that the confidence builds after mm-hmm. he hears that story. And then Santi's What do you want? Yeah. And just like, right away, Chiquito. Yeah. Bring, bring him, him to me. Bring him down. Which is great. And I mean, that whole basement is just such a great kind of creepy trope to have like yeah. right bottom yeah, of the yeah. house but then to have that gross murky water in the pool mm-hmm. and then to have just the body of the kid in there the whole time that's yeah, such dude. a i don't know why um chiquito was so comfortable walking around there i mean that would freak me out knowing that the kid i killed is just <laughs> the corpse of him is just floating and yeah, also what was the contingency plan there i don't know and like eventually that kid's gonna float up like what did he they didn't really show us what they he weighted him down with they just showed us yeah. him binding him with the rope yeah there's clearly something weighed him down and mm-hmm. you can even just infer that from by at the end of the movie you realize that like sort of history is repeating itself in a way yeah you're like oh, okay well he's weighted down by the gold he clearly weighed the kid down to keep him totally who knows how but he did so I, yeah i wonder if he did at any point remove that kid's body and do something about it or no i think he was down there the whole time so that was just a corpse water 
<laughs> not great for swimming. Not that anyone wanted to go in there anyways. I mean, hey. this is like, this is an orphanage that pool has been neglected for way too long. Right. They probably, I imagine, you know, yeah, he could, at some point they're like, stay out of this water. It's gross. Yeah. The kid couldn't like go say like, there's a kid in the pool. They're not allowed to go in there. And if he admitted that he was there and saw it happen, then he puts himself at risk. Exactly. And I mean, that's a turning moment in that kid's trajectory too. Cause at one point he says to Carlos, like, I'm not afraid of Chiquito anymore. I'm going to yeah. kill him. Yeah, he's yeah. he it, as he's telling his story, he reflects that he was a coward. Yeah, you know, and has grown mm-hmm. since the explosion. <laughs> Absolutely. Whew. Wow, that was a stunningly good movie. That was delightful. Mm-hmm. I could go for some fetus rum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe we should go to some Instagram comments. Instagram comments. So on our session nine posts, we got a comment from Boston Sean. Boston Sean. Who told us this filmed a few minutes. <laughs> Can you say it like that, please? Uh, it's clearly Boston Sean. Boston Sean. Boston Sean said, filmed a few minutes from my house, which is yeah. awesome. That's pretty cool. So I had to ask him in return, did you ever go inside the abandoned asylum and look around? And uh, thankfully, Boston Sean responded uh, and said... I'm sorry, uh, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> he said, um, I remembered many of my friends were scared, though a lot did go in. One of my friends has a bunch of paperwork from inside that he grabbed that I still want to get. I unfortunately never got to go in. Cry face. <laughs> Probably for the best, man. Don't go in there. Yeah, especially. I Wait, mean, I don't it, think I don't think this thing filmed in Boston, so I'm assuming it's where Boston Sean is from. Sure. Let's put that together. So, or maybe, maybe he like... likes Boston Cream. Like, <laughs> right. let's not jump to conclusions like we did with the Santi album. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, but I assume they're like teenagers. And if you watch a horror movie like this when you're teenagers and you have that location, I mean, that would be a very intense, like rite well, of passage type thing. Like I you wonder, go in, I dare you to go in. I wonder if like on that like dirt road where the guys were like standing at certain parts of it, if like they're like, oh yeah, one time Jared threw up there when we were drinking Jaeger in the bushes, you know? Like I wonder if the, if there's a horror movie really, really close to where you've like being a teenager if mm. you can have any cool little connections to inside of the movie ah as you're watching it you're yeah, saying yeah. like oh we had bush parties in there all the time yeah yeah, yeah something like that because i mean i mean admit if that thing's empty and abandoned that's creepy as shit regardless like regardless yeah. of if there was a horror movie that was filmed there that elevates it obviously yeah. <laughs> way too way higher yeah and they ran in there and grabbed papers <laughs> are you nuts like what the hell <laughs> that's crazy yeah but at the same time i can fully understand I wanting do, to I do push it. the limits and be like let's walk around in there let's fucking... go at night let's bring flashlights <laughs> I would totally do it. <laughs> I can try to stay the night. Something oh, crazy. My God. Or just get lit. Yeah. That'd be fun. Get rickety wrecked in session nine. <laughs> session ten. <laughs> that's all Sit the, down. Although that's like the I mean, that's that's every horror story. Teens go out somewhere to drink secret. You know totally. what? If if you they just weren't punished and shamed so much at home, teenagers wouldn't go to asylums to drink and they wouldn't be killed there. Uh, they wouldn't go to... Um, what, what would they do instead? Just uh, be best friends with their parents and play board games all night? Just like, hey, mom, uh, Boston Sean and... <laughs> and the boys. And the boys. Boston Sean and the boys are coming over for some uh, Can we just tequilas. drink and play video games in the basement? It's like, yes, but if you get loud again, we're taking this tequila away. Okay, fine. We'll be at the <laughs> asylum. <laughs> Thanks, Boston Sean, and we're sorry. Thanks, Boston Sean. <laughs> well, scared of cats. We just had another good old-fashioned good time on the Tex Chris Dave Saw Massacre. My name's David Stoneborough. My name's Chris Vandenberg. And as always, chaos reigns, chaos reigns, chaos reigns, chaos reigns. Pickled baby water, chaos reigns. Drink it up. <laughs> Gross. See you next week.